You're listening to the American Music Revival. I'm your host, Travis. Welcome to episode two with Seth from the Bear Creek Brothers. And we have a bunch of fun today. And I just want to take a little time to say thank you to everybody who gave me so much love in week one. Holy cow. Not expecting the overwhelming response. So to all that listened the first week, I can't even begin to thank you all enough. Um, We're going to be doing a couple different things. I leak a little secret in this one about something that we're going to be doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Another thing also we're going to be doing is some vlogs. Looking forward to that. I got my sign this week from Custom Metalworks out of Alabama. And it is too cool. You can check that out on my Instagram page at American Music Revival. Or um, it might be on my Facebook feed too, but go ahead and check all that out. And uh, we're going to play a little clip for you right now of the brand new released two-day single by the Bear Creek Brothers. Check this thing out. For trouble, trouble just walked in. He's a man in the back, feet up and taking a drag from the cigarette hanging off his lips. There ain't no man in this town that'll try to throw down. He's a gunslinger. Son of a bitch There ain't no woman around here That he ain't left in tears He's an American heartbreak kid It's James Dean Driving in a Chevrolet Smoking, drinking every day Never give a damn John Wayne Gunn Blazing on the trail Never making bail He's a widow so we've got Seth from Bear Creek Brothers, new single drop today. Dude, let me just start with, I love it. Thanks, man. We worked really hard on it. We're really excited about it. High energy, rock and roll. So I just want you to know, you don't have to pay me anything, but this song was definitely written about me. So I'm very <laughs> pumped about that. <laughs> So you got a lot going on, Seth. Let's just dive into it, man. Just, uh, just, I guess, start with whatever's on your mind first. Yeah, man. We're getting ready to drive to Michigan tonight, actually. We have a sold-out show in Lansing with Chase Rice. Um, so we're going to drive all night and get there in the morning. And Chase Rice. He must be a new artist. Yeah. A lot of... Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Chicks dig Chase Rice, man. Will, I'm it gonna be, will it be on the 8 Mile? What's that? Will it be, the show be on the 8 Mile? No, absolutely oh. not. Okay. <laughs> well, you know. All right, so I guess this is just, I have I do have way more questions than I ever thought. Um, I met you, do you remember when we first met? This is yeah, like a met, love scenario. We met at a show, it was at Soul Shine, wasn't it? 
Yeah, it was the the night sunshine caused all the issues for Nashville. That's the truth. That's the night that is going to go down in infamy in Nashville, at least in Midtown. <laughs> for sure. So for everyone listening, we uh, went to a show in Midtown with a couple of mutual friends, and we were watching uh, uh, Adam Wakefield and Jason Cott. They have yep. a they have a group that plays there at this uh, pizza joint called Soulshine on a Sunday night. But there were some new neighbors who were complainers about it being too loud in the city of Nashville, which is kind of funny. But that's where Seth and I developed a bromance that night. So, Absolutely. Our hatred for noise complaints. And a hatred for noise complaints. That's exactly <laughs> right. But not only that, uh, man, like legit though, y'all have become one of my favorite bands Bear Creek Brothers brings some of the most energy I've ever seen um, in any su- sort of setting. I've listened to all sorts of sh- uh, bands play live shows, and this one that I've seen most recently just brought down the house. Legit. It was amazing. Thanks, man. Yeah, so Kevin and I, uh, Kevin the guitarist and I, we were in a punk band growing up, so we try to bring a lot of that energy, even though we're kind of a, a country act little bit of rock and roll we try and bring the energy to it and kick stuff around fall over the place you know you gotta entertain a little bit too you can't just stand there and do your thing you know i'm not that good of a bass player so i've got to throw myself around a little bit (laughs) well and you know the thing about bear creek brothers is so many people in the nashville scene do not know how to take you guys because you're not the the country the new country norm right yeah it's it's funny to, to we'll play these uh we'll play these songwriter rounds sometimes and sometimes we do them acoustic and it goes over pretty well but when we play full band at some of these things people are just stopping their jaws hit the floor because they have no idea what they just signed up for <laughs> that's absolutely right you know um and then the, this new addition is who i cannot stop talking about is kyle Holy cow, Kyle is one of the best key players I've ever seen, and everybody's going to go back to this podcast one day, and they'll be like, <laughs> what was happening? <laughs> Mr. Kyle Austin Davis from Tyler, Texas. He is the redheaded version of Robert Plant mixed with Steven Tyler, and he is absolutely out of his gourd on the keyboard, and we love him. He's uh you can see him at Tootsie's now. He's gonna be playing at Tootsie's a little bit and yeah. Is he man. gonna be a house artist? Um he's talking to a couple different acts right now, and actually uh Friday, this upcoming Friday, is gonna be one of his first shows up there. He's sat in a couple times and I'm excited for him, man. He's only been in town for like two weeks and he's already got all this stuff going for him. But that goes to show, man, like you got talent, you bring it to the city, people notice. Absolutely. Yes. So many people come to Nashville um, thinking the country uh, all-star dream is going to come true. But if you come to town as a musician or somebody who has a lot of different tools in their pocket, you are going to be very successful. And I'm not saying that from personal experience. So I know someone would be like, well, you're not doing that, Travis. (laughs) No, I'm not. And there's a reason because I'm not the guy with a lot of tools in my pocket. Right. However, everybody that I have known that, is a great utility player or is an incredible musician it has spoken for themselves i'm i am in the same camp as you man i'm not the best bass player in the world i'm not the best musician in the world but 
I'm gonna tell you what, if you come here and you slay on any instrument, you're gonna be busy. You are going to be absolutely busy. That's that's for sure. But the one thing you did uh skip over just now, which is I think it's okay to dig in this early, yeah. is the fact that you say you're not that great of a musician. I <laughs> beg to differ, but one thing that is undeniable is you're an incredible writer. Now let's go into why I'm saying that. What do you got right. going on there? Well, um, I just signed my first publishing deal in town last month. Pretty exciting. We signed with Kim McLean Music. Um, she's been a writer here since the 80s, and she knows everybody upon everybody. So we're really excited. All of us actually did. Kevin, Dylan, and I, we all signed as, uh, as writers for her, and we're really excited to get our songs out there. Um, I'm just trying to get rights on the books, man. I'm trying to get out there and start getting some cuts so I don't have to work a day job anymore. Could, could you explain? We have some listeners who probably don't even know what a publishing deal entails. Uh, oh, yeah, sure. Could you explain a little bit what that entails, at least for you three? So basically what that means for us, because I had some family members that were confused too. They thought I got a record deal. And I was like, yeah, that's not what that means. Um, a publishing deal essentially we split profits on selling songs. So she has an audience of people that can put my songs on the radio, which I don't have any access to at this point. So by partnering up together, um, I write my songs, present them to Chemically Music, and they'll present them to artists they think would potentially dig it. So essentially they're selling my songs to, you know, country radio, which I never thought would happen, but is really, really exciting. Right. Now, so this is just a recent deal, correct? Yeah. Uh, two or three weeks. It's pretty fresh. Like, we're still getting all of our paperwork figured out. And Nice. Yeah. So when you come into a publishing deal, this is kind of for me, um, are you coming in with the catalog of songs, or they want you to start out fresh here, just start cranking them out now, we're going to go from this day forward? How does that work? A lot of people are going to look at your backlog, and there'll be songs that they like. And they'll obviously want you to bring those along. And there'll be some paperwork to be like, hey, we like this song. You should include it in your contract. But they also have expectations that you're going to write, you know, after you sign the contract. So, you know, whatever it may be, uh, some contracts are like, oh, we need you to write 20 songs a year. Uh, and that would be 20 songs by yourself. Or if you were doing co-writes, it would be 40 because co-writes count as half, I think. Or you know, depending how many people you throw in there, they split it up. But yeah, I mean, I had a lot of songs on backlog, and I think I brought probably thirty or forty with me. So I'm pretty holy cow. That. Yeah. So that's stuff that's not even just Bear Creek Brothers related. I mean, we're talking stuff that's all across the board. Absolutely. I mean, I I wrote all of my pop punk bands music as well, and I I still kind of have that tendency to to want to write these flailing pop songs. So, I mean. Maybe that's, that's why I have such a direct connection to you with your lyrics, because your lyrical style, in my opinion, is extremely advanced. Well, thank you. <laughs> and you don't have to stay I humble there. Emo. Yeah, I grew up listening to emo, and we, we know all about that. <laughs> but there's a way you have with words that are very crafty. And I don't come on here just to throw fluff out there, but I... I come on here to, to break it down, you know, because sure, some people are going to hear songs on the radio and they're like, I love this artist's, I'm sorry, I must spoke there. I'll have to edit that part out. 
I love this artist's song and he wrote this incredibly. And then, you know, you go to look and it's not their song. It's a song they're singing. Right. You know, I was fully under the uh, awareness that Dirk Bentley's song Riser, which is one of my favorite songs, was written by Dirk Bentley. And I was right. like, his album's named after it. And this is for sure Dirk Bentley. And then you go to the research a little bit and you find out it's Steve Mochler, who's yep. phenomenal. And if yeah. you like country music, anybody that's listening, definitely check out Steve Mochler's new album. That's just going out there free of charge. <laughs> but um, yeah, your style, I think I'm just really drawn to it. So I might play a little biased, but I really do feel like there's a need for change in the music scene. Uh, the popular music scene. That's obviously why I'm come on here to talk way too much. But it's nice to see that someone has caught attention of your style. Yeah, man. And it's been a long, a long road figuring out what my style really is because I'm still figuring that out now. I mean, coming from a completely different music scene a different style of writing i mean every this is a whole new world for me so it's been cool to to find new artists like artists that i really look up to now like uh sturgill simpson and margot price and john prine guys like that that have been around forever that i've just now started to get into like roots music you know and it's been really cool to dive into that and bring what i had before which is really angsty punk emo type thing and tie it in with this really rootsy thing. So I think it is kind of unique. I mean, I've got a unique point of view. I've, I mean, there are a lot of jaded punks that go back and play roots music you know, after they burn out, but I feel like I feel like it is kind of different, and I'm kind of proud of it, and I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still figuring it out. So That's the key, man, to have that confidence level of, man, this is where I'm coming from. I'm bringing my that angsty sound, mixing it with the roots sound, and developing something brand new. It's not like you're just set out to do, I'm going to completely change the scene. It's like, no, I'm just going to show you something a little bit different that I, I think may work. And yeah. you, can, you can hear the confidence in your lyrics. Um, actually, all three of your lyrics, you, Kevin, and Dylan, you know, and you can really feel that. And, it, and the blend of the three, I'm not sure if you all write together. Some songs are yours, some songs are theirs. But it, it creates a very interesting dynamic, which is extremely attractive as far as listening-wise goes. Yeah, we cover a lot of bases. I mean, I like I said, I grew up really angsty, punky. I listened to a lot of uh, old classic rock. And Dylan comes from a point of view where he grew up listening to classic country, classic rock. So we kind of have that common ground there. And same with Kevin. I mean, his style is more towards pop. His writing style is he's got so many catchy hooks and, and and melodies and he comes from a little bit more of that world so when we when we do write together it does kind of mix all of those things together and it's really cool and our new single rebel child is a perfect example of how uh musically i i mean i came in, i came to the table with the lyrics but musically sitting down together and figuring out what our sound was going to be was a lot of fun you know, because you've got Dylan with this classic country voice, me with this punk rock attitude type thing, and then Kevin with uh, with the you know the poppy melodic uh, leads and stuff. Man, it was just it really worked out well together. 
that's definitely how I would describe it, you know? So, I mean, especially when the song's written about me, you know, being a rebel. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I want to dig into your story. Sure. Because um, the reason I'm saying that is one of my, the things I've noticed about the music scene is so many people are often afraid to share that. Sure. And, you know, you'll see it in the, the social media pages. You can kind of hear it in lyrical content. But, I mean, our guest last week, that was just what I asked her. I'm like, can you, can you dig into that just a little bit? And she did. And that was amazing, you know. And, and I opened up about some things, too. And I guess I just want to know your story. How did this all happen for you? How did you get to Nashville? I guess, I guess, how did you get into music and what transferred your vision to Nashville? Yeah, um, so I started playing guitar when I was around 10 or 11 years old. And that was, I grew up in a really small town. I graduated with like 53 people. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like being a dude that played guitar, I mean, it was kind of, I was really the only musician around until I started really sharing with people, oh yeah, I started playing guitar, and then you found out, oh, there's like four or five other dudes that like to play music. Right. So I started my first band, and we stayed together all through like middle school and high school, and um, eventually, you know, you grow up and you change, you change taste a little bit. That's when I met Kevin. I started a band with, uh, with Kevin and um, a couple guys from a, a town that was just as small, but a little bit further away and we started doing this whole pop punk thing and being in the underground scene is it's a lot of fun it's a lot of do-it-yourself and a lot of hard work and grinding so that's where i get my work ethic is that idea that you're not gonna you're literally just gonna have to do everything yourself you can't wait for anyone to come swoop in with a contract to give you a fat check and you just you know do whatever you want i mean we come from a, a really uh we come from that do-it-yourself attitude type of music scene. So, um, yeah, man, I, I, I started playing music um, mainly because I wanted to get girls, but it turned into—I <laughs> mean, doesn't everybody though? You know, like I wanted to be the—I wanted to be that guy that brought his acoustic guitar to football games, and all the girls were like, "Oh my gosh, look at stuff!" I mean, it, it, you know, <laughs> that's never awesome. That's true. Never came to fruition. <laughs> but I did start dating my wife, my now wife, then girlfriend, around that time. So I guess that kind of worked. I was gonna say you won. I did. Your Ultimately, wife is a wonderful woman, and every time I get around her, she cracks me up so much. She has she has the the mouth of a sailor and the patience of a saint. I love her. <laughs> <laughs> so she definitely equals you out. Yeah, absolutely. But uh um, sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but back to my story, you know, my, my dad was always, my mom and dad were always really supportive of my music and, um, oh, they still are. And, um, it just, it got to the point where we were kind of, uh, spinning our wheels a little bit in Michigan. Um, the, the Michigan music scene is, was great when I was in it. It still is great. Um, but we, we weren't really getting anywhere as a band. So we kind of took a break for a while. Kevin started playing some country music with Dylan and I jammed with him a couple times and I really enjoyed it. It was something different. It was flexing a different part of my brain 
I never thought in a million years that I'd be in a country band, but it was just, it was different. I had to try it. Do you really sum yourself up as a country band though? Because when I listen to it, I don't hear just country. I hear Southern rock. I hear, I, I hear soul. I hear R and B. I literally hear all these different things and there's a ton of different routes you could go. I mean, is that kind of the end result you guys want to break into the country market or you're just like going with the wind? I mean, it's a little bit of both, really, because I feel like some of the best artists aren't really as calculated as you think. They just kind of do what they like. Like, you look at a guy like Sturgill Simpson, and he really, really likes Marvin Gaye. So he did a record where he sounded like Marvin Gaye, except he did it in his own way, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I feel like we're pretty aware that we're trying something different, but we're not calculating it as like, oh, we need to try and bring in this, bring in that. It's us just kind of being us and doing what we think sounds cool. And hopefully it influences some people and it influences some change. But if it doesn't, my ultimate goal is to look back on my catalog and be like, yeah, I still like that song. Yeah, I still like listening to that. You know, that's my goal. Right. Yeah, I think that will definitely be the case from an outside view in when I listen to the song. It was definitely a song I was ready to roll down the windows, blare, and just jam to, man. Like, it's so weird to see somebody that is a friend who can influence me so much. And we're outside of that friend zone when it comes to, I guess, the business side of it. You know, I'm ready to buy the album. I'm ready to see you succeed. And it's not anything to do. I completely separate myself and I get lost in the song. And that is what's special. That's why you're on the American Music Revival. And maybe, just maybe, somebody else will see that and hear that too. But you've already successfully done it with one person. So imagine, you know, here we are, two days before your release date, and people are hearing this on the release date, and Mm -hmm. somebody else is probably already relating to what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know... For me, I've already won. You know, if I can if I can write a song and it gets people thinking or it it, it affects you in a positive way or in a self-reflective way, then I've already won. You know, I, I could go my whole life without getting a cut. But as long as it's affecting people in a good way and in a way that's, uh, um, you know, in a way that people can relate to it, if people can relate to it, I guess is what I'm trying to say, then I'm going to keep doing it because I love that feeling I love hearing people say, man, I heard that song and I, I feel all the feels. And I'm like, yes, that's, that's why I do this. Right. You, know? you can exactly see that in your stripped down set too. Uh, last week we played a show together and yeah. man, it was just so nice to just, just like bask in the sound. Cause it was just so perfect. It was like a perfect scene. It wasn't like the music was being drowned out. It was I don't know. It's really hard to explain, I guess, with words. But um. yeah, sure. You really, I think, acoustic sets are every every artist should do a stripped down either one or two guitar acoustic set because that's your song. You know, there's no bells and whistles there. That's literally words and melodies. That is the absolute pinnacle of what. If 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 you can't entertain someone with just that or you can't captivate someone with the, with just that, then you need to go back to the drawing board. I mean, I know there are a lot of bands out there that do uh, 
a lot of uh, musical type type stuff, and I love that. Yeah, we've got a song. We've got a song called "Too Late." That's a seven minute. You know, it's a seven minute song, but there's only two verses in it. So that's will it. will we be seeing a record soon? Hopefully, we're working on it. We've got we're sitting on some recordings right now. Uh, we're just essentially going in, sweeping up some stuff after we've sat on it for a while. You know, once you listen to it for two or three months, and you're like, hey, we should probably go back in and re-record that. That's that's where we're at right now. And who have you been recording with? Uh, we're recording with a guy named Chris Latham at Studio Gorilla in uh, Ashton City. And that dude is awesome. He's so good. He's just this big southern teddy bear, and I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, you know, I... Uh, he does an incre- uh I keep saying incredible, but he does a really great job at, at capturing the power yeah. of the live feel, which isn't a thing producers do these days, and I'm kind of like... You know, biting my fingernails, saying some big words like that, getting a little edgy already. But Chris did a fabulous job. It was huge, huge, dude. And he this he even said he he loves bringing us in because this is out of his comfort zone too. I mean, he does a lot of uh, um, he does a lot of like rootsy stuff, you know, classic country, top forty type stuff. That's a lot of the work that he does. And when we came in and we started showing him these songs, he was like, oh, okay. And we gave him a lot of freedom, too. I mean, we were like, hey, man, like, you think some tone here is going to sound cool? Let's throw it in there. You think some vocal filter is going to sound cool here? Let's try it. Let's experiment. Let's all of us have fun doing this because we're all trying to figure it out, you know? I'm looking forward to hearing more. And that's what I think ultimately you want when you release a first single is yeah. leave the listener wanting more. Absolutely. And we're looking in the future, in the next couple, you know, two, three months, and hopefully we've got a few singles out by the end of the summer. Um, we're going to gauge kind of, int- we're going to gauge interest based on this one, obviously, but um, I, th- from the feedback we've gotten, just showing the our, our inner circle, people were really into it, and hopefully, uh, hopefully we can, get a whole album out there soon yeah i'm i'm looking forward to that um i just i'm just so happy for you guys <laughs> dude we're excited it's been i haven't been in town that long and a lot of things have happened i how long have you lived here i moved here june 1st 25th 2016 what yeah and you're uh, kidding guys- me yeah, the guys have been here since November 2015, so they've been here a little bit longer than me. But yeah, I've only been here a summer and a winter, and that's it. How incredible! Just doing work, man. Just hitting the ground running. Uh, it sounds like it's paying off. So, what have you been listening to these days? I guess we'll kind of break out of this really serious mode. If someone's <laughs> made it this far, they're here for the long haul. They're about to have some fun. Absolutely. I my taste is so eclectic, dude. I, it's so weird. People, if you went through my Apple music, like search history, you would probably be like, well, this guy has multiple personalities. Like there's something going on with them. Uh, uh touche good, sir. Because <laughs> every time I go to like a new artist, that's like way off the wall. You beat me to them. Yeah. I've been listening to uh, a lot of heavy stuff right now. Like, I've been rediscovering Maylene and the Sons of Disaster. I don't know if you're super familiar with them. Dude. Yeah. You're in my world. Listen, yes. Dallas Taylor is one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. 
Dude, he, he, that that band is so cool. They're just cool. I don't know how else to describe them. He's in a he's in a a, a very bad place right now. He just yeah. You see that where he got in a really bad four wheeler wreck and yeah. Um, I've, been paying, I've been paying close attention to that. Um, he used to come through our town a lot, and uh, yeah, man, it 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 sucks seeing good people like that go through bad things and i hope that i hope to god that he uh he pulls himself out of that and gets back on the road soon yeah well he um plays a huge role in my life i don't know him personally but the reason i say that is right on the inside right on the inside of my arm as you can oh, see there you go those are under oath lyrics and i don't know yeah. if you know this but he founded under oath yeah and, he was the uh, first singer before spencer started singing which i love both i love spencer more and i love Dallas with Maylene. And yeah. one of the reasons I love Dallas with Maylene is it feels more natural. Spencer with Underoath feels natural. Yeah. But, but even if you don't like Maylene's music, his lyrical writing is the most crafty lyric um, composure I think there is out there. I'm, I'm, it's a pretty broad statement to make, but man. He is a wordsmith. I really like him. And I think uh I think it's it's sometimes it's good for bands to you know like for him to to help found under oath and then realize, "Hey, this isn't where I need to be." You know, you look at a guy like Jesse Lacey, who used to be in Taking Back Sunday, and then You're all speaking sudden, all my roots. Yeah, and he's one of my favorite songwriters too, but and then he, you know, he's like, "You know what? I'm going to start this other band called Brand New." And then like the rest is history, you know. For both sure. of the fans exist in the same universe, and they're both amazing. They just Jesse wasn't a good fit, right? Uh, dude, I'm so glad you said that. I uh, one of the first albums I bought on vinyl was brand new. Oh yeah, which oh, record? Uh, Deja. There you go. Uh, I have that in my car. I still listen to CDs because I'm like ninety seven thousand years old, and I have a six disc changer in my Ford Escape. That's but awesome. that's that's the first record that's in my in my uh, six disc changer is Deja Intendu, and then I have Bruce Springsteen Greatest Hits right next to it. <laughs> People are like, "What is wrong with you, man?" <laughs> There's nothing wrong with you. Look, I can go like this week alone. I've been, I've listened to brand new, and then then the next day I've been so stuck on Chance the Rapper's Coloring Book. Yeah, man. And that's a guy that also, he's from Chicago, so he used to come up through Michigan, too, and do some of these DIY shows. That guy works hard. So hard. And I'm so glad to see him get some recognition. Are you familiar with his story? Yeah. yeah oh, absolutely. my goodness. I watched this this thing on the weekend about him, and he was just talking about, you know, how he came to where he's at now. And if people aren't familiar with it, he just... Is completely independent. He just won a Grammy with no label. But he's like, I did this with my group of friends. I got my group of friends together. This is my vision. Let's do this. No no label support. And we're just going to be the biggest thing there is in the music scene. And he writes timeless material. Right. Because so many rappers now write this... It's stuff I don't even know. I call it mumble rap. <laughs> Who was it? Oh, you know, Jake. Jake 
Teague. Oh, Jacob Teague. Oh, every episode, I'm going to drop somebody's name that I know or am friends with just to see <laughs> if they've listened. Yeah. You know, he did he did a he did an online album review of Drake. And it, was, it was on point. It was on point. It was the most accurate statement ever. So his negative album review brought me to listening to the new Drake album. <laughs> I made it to three songs in. And normally when I listen to a brand new album, I can listen to the entire thing. Even if I don't like it, I still want to hear the whole thing. I want to hear someone's work of art. Yeah. And if that's not the most manufactured album to date, I don't know what, what else is. Yeah, man. It's, you can tell if someone's putting their heart into it or not. And I, I got about three or four songs into that record, too. And I was just like, ah, I'm going to go back and listen to Childish Gambino, you know? He had, a, he had a lyric where he was rapping about Applebee's. And I was just like, it, there was not even a flow. It doesn't have to rhyme, but there's no <laughs> flow. <laughs> but I will say that Drake has never, ever done an album where I've hated the beats. Oh, the production of it was was great. Right. I started listening to Drake in high school, like his first couple mixtapes, and I was like, man, these beats are really cool. I'm not sure about this guy, but like these beats are amazing. One one album I've really been listening to a lot lately is B.B. King and Eric Clapton's Riding with the King. Oh, yes. Oh, that's really good, man. So It's so, it's ridiculous that you listen to everything I listen to because other people right now, I'm, we've probably lost at least 10 listeners. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, okay, uh, what? <laughs> Maybe next week we'll try this thing again. <laughs> Man, I just I think it's important, especially if you're creative or you're a musician. You you have to have an eclectic taste because if you get caught into your respective corner of of the musical world, I mean, how are you going to grow, you know? You're going to you're going to produce the same type of thing over and over again. And I think the best records are people that, you know, they genre bust or they expand upon, you know, they ex- they expand upon a genre in a in a different way. You know, I, and it's really important for a country artist to listen to hip hop. It's also very important for a country artist to listen to country, you know, so you don't lose sight of what you're trying to do. But at the same time, you're trying to bring in a different audience. What, what's that one country guy that everybody's talking about? It's Kane Brown. Yes. I went to go talk trash about him because I'm like, this guy, he's doing all this rap stuff. And I listened to his music and I was like, well, I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I mean, that guy, and also if you know his story a little bit, that guy's worked, he's worked his tail off too. Look how far he went as an independent artist. Right, you know, and that's the big thing is, I don't care if you do top 40 country, I don't care if you do mumble rap, I don't care if you do hardcore music. If you're doing something, and you're doing it yourself, and you're, you're, you have all of, all of the responsibilities on your back, and you're still getting farther and farther and farther up the food chain, you're going to get respect from me. Absolutely. Because you're doing it the right way. You know, a lot of people, and I, I, I've noticed that when I, after I moved here too, is a lot of people, people move here and they think that the, the all be all is to get a record deal. But it's like, you know, it's got to be right. It's got to be the right relationship. Got to be the right situation. And I know so many artists that have gotten shelved. I mean, 
Like you sign this deal and then they don't want to release your music. So what do you do? That was your end all be all. Let's dig into let's let's dig into that right there. That's the whole purpose of the music revival. The American music revival. That's that's what my whole point is right here. So you you started talking about people come here, and I said this earlier, I guess, as well. People come to Nashville, and when you think of Nashville as a kid, when I thought of Nashville, I thought about Hank Williams standing in the circle at the Opry. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's what I thought of. And when I come here now, it's it's not necessarily that. I mean, the, the Opry's still there. The circle's still there. It'd be a dream come true to stand in it. Any musician's going to agree, no matter what genre. Absolutely. But w- let's draw in, uh, draw this back a little bit, and let's talk about music, the reason people do it. Is it, I mean, do people come here because they want to get famous? Is it, is it people chasing fame? Or, you know, is it about expressing something, about sharing a story, about inspiring others? You know, you see it. You see it in the scene. I know you can see it anywhere you go. Mm-hmm. You've got your guys. They, maybe they do want to chase the girls. You've got your guys, and maybe they do want to be party guys. But it's the people with the heart in the game that really shine absolutely and i think for every for every guy that is in town every guy or gal that's in town trying to make a statement there's going to be two or three that are just trying to be you know famous and i you know that's a natural that's a natural thing for people to want to be famous i mean that's why we're so connected to celebrities is because we can literally picture ourselves in that lifestyle everyone thinks that they can be a millionaire it's part of the american dream is everyone everyone thinks that they can be the next big thing and whatever it doesn't matter if it's music movies if you, you know you want to be the best salesman on earth it doesn't matter what it is and i really do think that for every one creative person that's trying to do, make something that is going to last in the long run there's the one person that's trying to cash in on it in the short run and there is a lot of that there's a lot of that here there's a lot of that in la there's a lot of that in new york it's everywhere, man. It really is everywhere. But I guess I wasn't so aware of it until I moved here and I saw thousands of people trying to do it, you know? Yeah. I had a I had a discussion with a friend one day and here, and I don't want to name drop just because it's probably not the healthiest thing to do that. You know, I don't want anybody to have the wrong idea. Sure. But this friend is a very, very talented musician. She's she can sing too. She's an amazing musician, and we'll leave it at that. And I said, there are artists in this town that are on Top 40 Radio that are getting YouTube plays, Spotify streams, Apple Music, they're just blowing up, Mm. that are nowhere near the caliber of you. Yeah. And, And her response was, really? You think that? And I was like, I don't think it. I know it. That's the thing, man, is a lot of it... And a lot of people have, a lot of good artists have come out of this show, but I am going to put the show on blast. A lot of it has come out of this American Idol era where you get a pretty face and a decent voice and it just turns into a, like a game show, like one in, one out. It's like a revolving door of talent, you know, and every single market's going to chew you up and spit you out. And that's why you've got so many people, you know. In top forty radio, I'm not. It's not even just country. You've got so many pop stars that are coming through where you see two or three of their hits and then they're gone. Same with country, where you get two or three of their their songs chart and then they're gone. And a lot of it is a pretty face and a decent voice. 
but it's those people like your friend um they have their time coming you know the people that are legitimately the natural talents and and wait and play the game the right way don't cut corners that's the biggest thing is not cutting corners you're gonna reap that reward absolutely at least in my opinion but that's you know i'm i'm a glass half empty kind of guy most of the time but when it comes to that i really i really do think that good people win and a good example is us as a band coming into town we've met some of the most crazy people we never ever would have thought we would meet and just because we're, we're i mean we're nice dudes we we try to get along with everybody and we treat people the way we would want to be treated coming into town you know yeah so, i think that's what drew me to you when i first met you we sat next to each other and we're watching this music and there was this moment um there was a guy on the lap steel and he was just shredding and you and I looked at each other. Like we both had this fond appreciation of what was happening right before us. We knew nothing about this guy and I still don't know his name to this day, but that moment you and I just looked at each other like, you know, this is some serious epicness that's happening right here. <laughs> and I remember that too. And I get really emotionally connected to music when it's happening in front of me too. So my responses are typically me falling off a bar stool dramatically or, or, or whatever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man, I just, I, I think that when it comes down to it, if you're a good person, good things will happen to you. You might have to wait and be patient, but ultimately if you stick with it and you keep fighting the good fight, then you're you're gonna get success because people notice that and it, people have noticed it with us you know we're writing with some of our heroes songwriters you know we write with a guy named kent blazy and i don't know if you know who kent blazy is but he wrote ain't going down till the sun comes up by garth brooks that's amazing this guy writes he writes with chris young he writes with all these big guys but he somehow still makes time for us you know like yeah, let's 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 fit in a right this month. Let's fit in a right next week too. And it's almost we almost always go over too. Like oh, we're gonna do it for an hour, and then four hours later we wrote three songs. You know, it's just being being emotionally available and not just doing it because it's what you have to do to market or to handshake or to whatever. It's just right. being like a, being a person, being a human being. Right. I don't know. Yeah, man. You know when I when I came up this idea about American Music Revival, it's been a few years. It was, a, it was at first a controversial approach, and now I just realize you're going to have um, controversy everywhere you go. You're going to offend people with no matter what you do, and that's yeah. just life. And I'm not, I'm not out to purposely upset anybody. I'm looking to dig into both sides of the equation. I want you know input when you're talking about American Idol. I think there was a lot of the good that came out of American Idol, and there's been a lot of bad, but there's been some amazing talent that is still uh, recognized, too. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And it's not necessarily um, the people that audition for American Idol and are trying to take that jump. Oh, by no it's, means. I didn't, I didn't think you were saying that. For me, it's more, it's, it's more um, the dog and pony show that corporate America thought they could put people through to, to, to realize their dreams, you know? That's more what left a bitter taste in my mouth is all of these people could be, and I know a lot of people that were on American Idol that are still in town and they do songwriter rounds and they sing and they're amazing. And it's just like, you could have, you could have done it a different way. Like if 
and and you could probably be further along. I don't know. That's just me speculating, and that's completely subjective. But it's like I feel like they trick people a little bit. You know, I don't know, and maybe it's because I never ever would have been been on that show and don't have the vocal talent or capacity to do it. But yeah, I, I couldn't watch that show after a few years. I, you know, I was like, oh, I just don't. It hurts my heart. <laughs> it hurts your heart. Yeah. Um, and it's nothing against people that like that show, and nothing against the people that I know that were on that show because they're some of the best people and most talented people that I've met. But it's like. You know, I, st- I still have that opinion on it. I... You know, the, the thing is this. I'm not trying to be a guy that picks apart the music industry. I'm trying to be the guy that captures something special with whatever artist, whatever person that's in the music industry, because no one's doing that. Everybody's like, hey, come here and, you know, promote yourself. Well, why don't we talk about yourself? Why don't we talk about what you have going on? Why don't we why don't we capture the truth? Why why isn't anybody doing that? So that's why I did this to to allow artists to say what they'd like to say, to be real, to be maybe debated. You know, we don't have to agree on everything. I think you and I agree on everything just because we've developed this mutual <laughs> friendship. And I don't think it's the friendship. I think it's just we have very aligning personalities. Yeah, for sure. But Going from this TV era of music into online, there's a lot of upsides and there's a lot of downsides. The downside is algorithms, <laughs> you know, everything's going to be directed towards what you like as a person. And it's going to be maybe not the easiest to find something new. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you look at, I mean, I'm not even going to dive into politics, but you look at Facebook and how people can get caught up in their bubbles. You know, the internet has created people to live in their own reality. And that goes with entertainment. That goes with everything. Like you don't have, you don't have to stray any further than your doorstep and you don't have to look or hear anything different. If you don't want to, you can make that conscious choice and you can make that conscious choice before the internet, but it's just like people get so fired up and opinionated about it now because they think their way is the right way. Their music's the right music. I can't tell you how many people I know in the punk scene that we're just like country music is trash. It's always going to be trash. It always has been trash. And I think it shouldn't exist. And I'm like, man, that's like, that's so dumb. Why would you ever think that? Just because you are a punk and you think that you can do this the rest of your life. And this is the only real true, like, you know, middle finger to America's corporations or whatever. It doesn't matter whatever you're, whatever your reasons are, but like, really? And some do, some do make a life out of it and some are successful. Some are not. Um, but, but I'm going to tell you the most successful punk artists that I know don't have that attitude and they're still touring to this day. And you look at guys like bad religion, that the singer of bad religion, whose name is escapes me right now. He's dropping a roots record this year where he's playing country music. What? Oh, yeah. I heard about this. Um, I feel like we have to look his name up or we're going to sound like complete idiots. Like, you don't I know the remember. lead singer of Bad Religion's name. What I type know. of music show are you? Right. And they're like, oh, you were a punk, huh? Can't remember Bad Religion singer. Look, my punk days were widely obsessed with MXPX. 
Micronica, my, my yeah. uh, not Micronica, that's Devil Wears Prada. But uh, Mike from MXPX, man, he is just such a cool dude. My first punk record was Dookie by Green Day. Dookie? Yeah, Dookie, and I got um, I got Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by Blink-182. was one of my other ones that really influenced me. And I still love Blink-182 to this day. Dude, the new Blink stuff, what do you think? I am Team Matt Skiba, for sure. I, I think Tom DeLonge is probably lost his mind i think he's chasing aliens right now which i'm totally onto the conspiracy theory thing i love it that's great i'm not like Infowars conspiracy theory but i'm like you know aliens are probably among us conspiracy theory and that he just he's dove into that pool so deep i don't think he's ever coming out so i'm gr- i'm glad that matt skiba came in and actually is providing some real blink 182 music for everybody legit style of punk he writes true punk music yeah. And they just dropped a couple new singles because they're, you know, uh, putting out a longer version yeah. of California. And they're yep. just really good. Um, I, just, I just listened to Misery literally five minutes before you, you called me. And oh, like, really? I was like, yeah, I dig this. I asked yeah, Misery's cool. Yeah. Um, so it's really funny that you mentioned InfoWars. Do you listen to podcasts at all? Not to veer off. I guess we're kind of going away from music a little bit, but you do you listen to uh, podcasts? Oh, I do. Do you I listen do. to the Joe Rogan experience? Because I guarantee people I, I will possibly <laughs> mention it every single show. I love that podcast, and I know exactly what episode you're talking about, and I watched it on YouTube and listened to it. <laughs> episode 911, right? It was out of control. Absolutely out of control. Wow, I loved that. That was so entertaining. But I was like, man, this guy is when Alex Jones. <laughs> when Alex Jones dove into Pizzagate, like, I thought this dude was completely nuts. And aside from the conspiracies that he talked about, he started off with true facts. Did you know that? Yeah, he did. He did. All of it. I was started, like. And that's, that's the way he does things is he starts out with things that are like, okay, that makes sense. And then he go, go, dives into this, you know, secret society type stuff. And I'm like, okay, you're losing me a little bit. And then he's like, what did he say? Oh, I don't, I, man. He just, he had so many golden quotable moments on that podcast. That I was just like, dude, <laughs> I'm going to watch this again. <laughs> my, end, my end goal, and I will state this now, and we'll put this on record. My end goal is to be the Joe Rogan of the music world. Absolutely, dude. And it takes so long to get like a format even, you know? Uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, man. And that guy has got it dialed in. And to talk to somebody for like three and a half hours, wow! Man, like he's just like he's a guy that's like I have mad respect for Joe Rogan because he's a curious guy. He will have anybody on his podcast that does anything. Doesn't matter politically where you stand. It doesn't matter socially where you stand. Doesn't matter what you do. I mean, he'll have he'll have Cam Haynes, who's a bow hunter, on one day, and then he has James Hetfield on the next day. It's like the dude is just like. When it comes to people with eclectic tastes, Joe Joe Rogan is the definition. He had Justin Wren on there. I don't know if you listened to that episode. Justin no, Wren no. is a um, is an MMA fighter. He fights in Bellator. I'm really mm-hmm. big on MMA, so I'll probably talk about that a lot on this podcast. Oh, so I forgot you're into MMA, dude. It's it's my thing. You, Do you know, know Amanda, you know Amanda Bobby Cooper. Yes, and he's from Kevin's hometown. 
you know what? She got robbed. She did, man. She really did. But you know what? I'll always be Team ABC. She's so cool, and she is such a badass. She really is, man. I'm excited to see where she goes and and the things that she does in the in the uh, in the fight world. And I stand behind her 100. percent I think she's a cool chick, and I definitely would never want to mess with her. No, you don't. <laughs> I've seen her. I've seen her get rowdy, and it's uh, she's she's cool, man. She's really cool, and I'm excited for her. And it's it's funny to it's funny to and not that we think that we're anywhere near her success, but it's funny to see a guy like Kevin, who comes from a smaller town like that, and he's here doing this kind of thing, just got his publishing deal, and obviously in a small town that kind of stuff gets buzz. And then you've got Amanda Cooper, who graduated the same class as Kevin, and she just fought her, what, first or second fight in the UFC. So everyone's like, oh, Bath, Michigan. Yeah, what up? You know? Yeah. <laughs> now, I don't know if we've said this already. Kevin's the guitar player in Barracuda yeah. Brothers. He does the rhythm and backup vocals as well. Kevin Paul Vermillion. And it's so funny because I've seen and known Kevin around town for a long time, but we recently mm. became friends, uh, and we just clicked you know um but oh what i was saying about justin wren yeah my bad sorry justin wren he's this ufc fighter and he's he was supported by joe rogan and his ventures mm-hmm. he brought water wells and uh to the pygmies in the congo weird <laughs> that's so cool though <laughs> so for the first time in world history pygmies now own land because of justin wren he helped them establish land so they can't be moved by the government anymore he helped bring them clean water all due to of course justin wren going over there but joe rogan's format helped him get launched man and how cool would it be to create a format where American Music Revival does cool stuff? Dude, I'm really glad that you're doing this podcast. I think that it's absolutely needed. And I think that, I mean, realistically, you know a lot of people that would love to come on this and it creates buzz. And obviously, when this drops, we're going to post it all over the place. And then people that we know will post it all over the place. Like, yeah. it's going to be fun, man. And I'm really excited you're doing it, and I'm excited you asked me to do it because I'm kind of an idiot and I just like to talk. But I I was really excited to do it, and I was excited when I heard you finally decided. To, I know you were thinking about it. Yeah, I, there's a couple <laughs> of different things I have yet to roll out, and I will keep those contained. I don't know if you've heard those, and I'll, I, I'm going to do different stuff. I promise you. Um, when I say something, I'm going to do it, but I'd rather not say it because if I can't get it to the magnitude and the time frame I want to. I feel like I failed myself. So the, I'm, I'm taking baby steps. Absolutely. Uh, but, but step one, I've already started without even trying. And step one is the America campaign. And the America campaign is I want to interview at least one artist from every single state, all 50 states. I'm, I'm not. Oh. All right. So I've done Illinois and I'm going to cool. do Illinois probably a bunch because I know a bunch of people from Illinois. Sure. And for some reason, I know a bunch of people from Michigan, like yourself. Yeah, man. Apparently, a lot of people like to move to Nashville from Illinois and Michigan. It must really suck in Michigan, or I know for sure it can suck in Illinois, but... It definitely does. Imagine Illinois, except, like, worse on, on the scale, and that's Michigan. So if my dad Michigan, is a, Michigan is a beautiful state, don't get me wrong, I love it. Yeah, for it. sure. But... 
the infrastructure there is absolute garbage. And, you know, you look at a guy who runs a state like a business and then you look at Flint, Michigan, and they don't even have clean water. Like they can, it's just, it makes me sad, man. It hurts my heart to go back to Michigan and see it the way that it is because I remember it so differently when I was a kid. And it's right. just, oh, oh, man. Michigan was 50 out of 50 when, when the recession hit in 2009. We were literally 50 out of 50 as far as our uh, economy goes. So it's been wow. a, it's on the come up. Detroit's on the come up. I, I have a lot of friends that are moving into Detroit and opening businesses and like getting the music scene going again. I mean, there's a good scene in, in, in Detroit. There's a great EDM scene, but man, Michigan, it's just like, it was rough. It was hard. Hold on. Was, go go back to what you just said. I'm sorry to draw away from the sad stuff. There's an EDM scene in, in Detroit. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. There's a huge EDM scene in Detroit. <laughs> Maybe to make a trip to Detroit. It's really surprising, but they have some really great clubs there and a lot of venues there that do club stuff, EDM, DJ type stuff, you know, maybe once or twice a month. But the scene there is really, it's, it's vibrant. The Detroit music scene is vibrant. That's the best way I can think to describe it is there's a lot going on there. There was a great hip hop scene. Guys like Big Sean, he's from Detroit. Um, Eminem, obviously. But um, the great hip-hop and EDM scene, the great metal scene in Detroit. Dude, let's talk I Prevail. Those are your boys, yeah. right? Or at least yeah, one of them? Yeah, those are my boys. Um, their guitarist, Dylan Bowman, was in having a nice band for a while. And um, yeah, we cut our teeth in the same scene together. And those guys are international rock stars now. now those guys are geniuses. Yes, they are. They're marketing. Every time I have a marketing question, I text Dylan. I'm like, hey, buddy, what should I do? And he's like, just do what I prevailed in. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, man, they, those guys, and I've seen it recently. There are a lot of jaded fans that, metal fans that are like, oh, well, they just, they did it the easy way. They recorded a cover and it got a lot of views and the knowledge. No, those guys are marketing geniuses. Those guys work their tails off. And they've been working their tails off. And their record now that they just dropped, Lifelines, shameless plug, um, that's gotten more views and more downloads and hits and, and purchases than any of their other stuff, including that Taylor Swift cover they did. That, you know, the people that get mad in the... This is why I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start dissing on the scene that I grew up in. It makes me so mad when people get mad at other people's accomplishments. Like, yeah, why? Like, exactly. And that's how I feel about it. And it's because it's because they didn't accomplish it, you know, the way they wanted to. Or it, to. Doesn't, it doesn't fit their view of what an accomplishment is, you know. And it's sad that you're – a lot of these – a lot of people that are, are talking about it, it, they're from that scene. Like, you see this guy. He grew up with you. He went to the same shows you did. And he's hitting it hard and he's getting big. And why would you tear him down? And that's, if anything, that's good for everybody. I mean, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a shining example of how great our music scene was in Michigan, was guys like that that have worked their tails off and come up, come up the scene the right way. And then a wave started coming and you jump on it. I mean, that's, that's what everyone's trying to do, right? So why tear him down? Man, I, when they first came out with that cover, I was um, 
I was like almost anti that cover, and it wasn't because of them. Our last night had put out the same song, right? And man, I still about those guys are great in their own respect too. Oh my god, those guys are awesome. Two episodes, the first two episodes in a row, and I've talked about Sturgill Simpson and Our Last Night. <laughs> yep. And Joe Rogan. I'm I'm Joe Rogan. <laughs> becoming redundant already. But I mean, this is the second episode, and we all know Empire Strikes Back was better than A New Hope. But Oh, look at that. I know nobody can see this, but Seth has a Millennium Falcon on the inside of his arm. Oh, and I've also got a Chewbacca on my shin. I don't know if you can see that. That is incredible. It says Rebel Scum on there. Yeah, I'm a big Star Wars guy. That's amazing. So, Star Wars, let's let's dig into this. Um, we're digging into everything today, because that's what I keep talking about. Let's do it, man. Did you like Rogue One? I loved Rogue One. I absolutely loved it, and I was. There were a lot of people that uh, didn't appreciate the CG they did with some of the deceased characters. I don't care about and those people. Those people can go ahead and hit unsubscribe and yeah. carry on with their lives. There's two types of people. There are the people that liked Rogue One, and there are people that didn't. You know, and the ones that didn't are wrong, and that's the way it is. <laughs> I love for that. sure. I, and I also I really loved. Um, um, I really loved what J.J. Abrams did with it, too, I mean, uh, with with his film. And I'm really excited to see what Ryan Johnson does with 8. That's going to be so cool. Who do you think Snoke is? Um, I've heard a lot of different theories, but ultimately I don't think anyone's going to know who it is. I don't think it's anyone that's in the universe right now. I don't know. That's just my opinion. I think that, especially a guy like J.J. Abrams he's going to lead you to believe something because it's easy. Like, oh, like, you know, Rey is going to be Luke Skywalker's daughter, and that's definitely not it. You know why? Because that's too easy. It's absolutely too easy. And I think that guessing that Snoke is, like, someone that you already know, I think it's too easy. It's going to be somebody different. I like that theory. That's very interesting. I, um, I'm most excited about Justice League Word. So you're a DC guy. Okay. Fair I'm, enough. I'm DC at heart. I love Marvel. I love Star Wars. I love Star Trek. Yep. I like all the Harry Potter stuff. I'm a complete nerd, man. The only thing I never got into, I never got into anime, and I never got into World of Warcraft, which is fine. If that's your thing, that's cool. But man, all the rest of that stuff, I'm a hardcore nerd on. Yeah, man. The only anime that I could say I got into is Dragon Ball Z. And it's because, I don't know if it was just me, like, me being into the show, or me just liking 35-minute episodes of dudes screaming and powering up. Like, I wasn't entirely sure what it was, but when it comes to, I'd never played World of Warcraft. I've never been an online gamer. Um, I'm an N64, Super Nintendo kind of guy. That's my thing. And I, I really hope they put out an N64 classic like they did the original Nintendo, or even a Super yeah. Nintendo classic. That'd be really cool. I've still got my original Super Nintendo um, from 93, did you, did you play Paperboy on there? No. I have a Super Nintendo. Yeah, Super Nintendo, brother. You need to get with the times and get Paperboy. I, I need to get Paperboy, apparently. It might be Paperboy 2, but there was a Super Nintendo Paperboy, and no lie, it inspired me to become a Paperboy. <laughs> but at the age of nine years old, 
fourth grader, I became a paper boy. And I was a paper boy from the time I was nine years old to the time I was 15. I want to know the tangible number of kids that became plumbers because they thought they were going to eat mushrooms and save girls. That's what I want to know. <laughs> you know what? This is definitely something we could poll people on on Facebook. <laughs> How many plumbers are out in the world right now because they thought Mario was an actual plumber? Right. Friend, do you know a fellow friend who is a plumber? Yes or no? Question one. Mark yeah. that. Question two. <laughs> that plum, uh, plumber love Mario <laughs> dude let's do it I think I think the I think the data is going to be astounding I think it really will it'll be eye-opening for everybody <laughs> well even though this is episode two this is officially the longest podcast we've got so far oh what are we at right now we're right at an hour and two minutes oh we'll be all right man I, I know I could keep talking to you I think you're an extremely fascinating person yeah, man. I mean, I, like I told you, I'll talk until you tell me to shut up. And, oh, I'm not telling you to shut up at all. I'm <laughs> I'm thoroughly enjoying this. And I, man, there's just so many different routes I could go. And you're right. You know, right now it's I'm in that stage where I'm developing a format, kind of getting a feel, getting a little more comfortable in front of a microphone, even chatting with someone on Facebook that I know, you know, it's like, yeah, how do I get super comfortable with this? Uh, just do it you know yeah. last week i i've listened to that band ashland for a while but i had never talked to them i met aaron at a show like a long time ago but we didn't have mutual discussion or anything we just had mutual friends sure and so getting in, in front of the camera with them man it it pumped me up like i i've never felt so at peace of where i'm at yeah and that yeah. may be where I'm at in my life. You know, I think this is be a really cool format to track where I'm going with my life. I can tell my story this way, as well as capture your story and the next guy's story, the next gal's story. And people can use that for them, too. You know, okay, come check out this podcast because I just told a story about how much I loved Super Mario Brothers. And, it, you know, like just... Yeah, I mean, ultimately... This is a form of art, too, and I stand behind that statement where, you know, if you can get people to connect with it, it's just like songwriting, you know? If you can get people to connect with it in a positive way or in a, a self, uh, like a self, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Where they can look into themselves and, and learn something about them. Like or, a self-reflecting... That's that's it. As a songwriter, I should have words, but I don't. Um, I think it's good. That's 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 an accomplishment. That's art. I mean, podcasts are art. As much as they're news and entertainment, it's art, too. What was really cool for me was the reception I got from week one. I didn't even know if I'd have five people listen to it. And I don't have iTunes numbers yet because, you know, it's really hard to pull the stats from iTunes. But I have the SoundCloud numbers, which is just the... I'm kind of getting a little geeky here, but where the RSS feed goes yeah. into iTunes to plug it, to plug it in so they don't talk to each other. But I saw this, the uh, the SoundCloud numbers and I was like 80 plays or something like that. Yeah. You know, that means 80 different people came to my, or somebody listened to it multiple times to hear what I captured just a little bit of time with somebody else. 
And 40 minutes might be long for some people. For me, I'm in sales on my everyday job. So listening to podcasts is great when I'm going in between different businesses and talking to people. And it's inspiring. Man, hearing other people's words is super inspiring. I'm going on a tangent now. I know I am. But hearing other people's stories is inspiring. I don't care what anybody has. They can argue. And if they want to argue, they're probably a pessimist. You know, they probably are the people that complain about the wind. And they're not (laughs) one to put up a sail and go with it. You know? Right. Yep. I totally agree. I think it's the more you can learn about, the more you can learn about other people, the better off we're going to be as human beings. I mean, it really is. That's what it is, is learning, learning about each other. And it helps you learn about yourself. We're all going through this weird thing called life. It's so strange. (laughs) I feel like this is like a a big Lebowski quote. Just like, yeah, man, just like, I don't know. I love the Big Lebowski. Speaking of Big Lebowski, Seth, your fashion is terrific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, man. I I try and be out there. I I don't think uh, conservative is a very good word to describe how I dress. Um, it's very not. You know, last night I was at rehearsal and I looked like an extra from a Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg video. And during our uh, during our photo shoot, I looked like a poor man's Neil Young. So it's like I kind of I have very except I have an eccentric taste and an eclectic taste. We we went to a you know when we went to that songwriter round at Puckett's a few weeks ago. I'm getting a Puckett's plug. Maybe one day they'll sponsor me. <laughs> but I don't know if you remember this. I wore a Tupac shirt. Yes. And I wore big puffy Adidas shoes. And bootcut jeans. And people looked at me like I was a creature that just crawled from the depths of hell. <laughs> They're like, man, this boy must be confused. <laughs> like, what is wrong with this man? That's, dude, I do the same thing. I had a, uh, I had a, that's funny, I had a Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre sweatshirt on. And I had uh, a beanie hat like I'm wearing now. And I had my cowboy boots on. And people were like, what is this guy? <laughs> Yeah, I've got a couple coworkers who call me a hipster, and I'm like, no, I'm not a hipster. I have a kiss of the hipster, you know, because yeah. you and I can both agree on this. I have no doubt in my mind you have not premeditated this epic truth I'm about to drop upon all you listeners. But hipsters are the emos of the early 2000s, just with different clothing. Mind blown. Actually, that's so true. That really is so true. Yeah. Yeah, man. They're the ones they're the ones who are like Yeah, I used to listen to Dashboard Confessional when I was twelve. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well guess what? In ten years you're gonna go back to listening to it, so yeah. you're just trying I to think, fit with a scene. I think hipsters are probably post emo kids, more than likely. You get guys in their twenties and stuff like like you know, like me, and I was a hip. I was an emo kid, and now I would absolutely say I'm a hipster. But I'd say hipsters kind of take that that lifestyle a little bit further, where they open up shops in neighborhoods that no one wants to be in. <laughs> they open like vegan cookie shops, like you know, where in the part of town no one wants to go in. You know, and it's like, yeah, okay, emo kids didn't do that. They just cried a lot, which I, I did. I was in a section of town today for work, 
and I won't name the name of the business because I don't want to cause any issues, but it's not a very good part of Nashville. Sure. And <laughs> I go into this business, and there's all these guys wearing tight jeans, you know, nice fancy boots. They have their hair very nice, which I love doing pompadours and Absolutely. using using uh, pomade. That's my thing. I like to do it. And all these guys did it as well. But it's really funny because they were cutting wood boards and like sanding stuff down. But if when if they just wipe the sawdust off them, they look like they just came from a Luke Bryan music video shoot. <laughs> it's like it's the it's the soft Ron Swanson where if Ron Swanson actually saw what they were doing. He'd vomit all over his shoes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Ron Swanson is my spirit human. I've been uh, I've been really growing this stash out in the, in the spirit of Ron Swanson. I'm I'm trying to get there. A lot of my friends are like, "Dude, what are you doing?" I was very clean shaven when I was a punk kid, growing up in the music scene, and now I'm just like I'm like got this whole weird wider thing going on. Yeah, I like it, man. I have to stay clean shaven. I'm in the reserves. I don't know if I told you that. I'm I'm still in the army reserves, and uh, I have to stay clean shaven because if I let it grow out, and then I go to drill, my face like breaks out like I'm. I just hit puberty. Absolutely. Yeah. I can I can <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> so the the weathers of life have worn my face. Uh it finally has caught up to me. For a long time I had a baby face. And um now it's not that so much anymore. But <laughs> the 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 whole gotta keep my face clean shaven for both those reasons still plays part. In everyday life, so man, I'm in a band full of baby faces, and not one person can grow a beard. And I, even the beard I grow is a sorry excuse for a beard. It looks like I'm an animal that needs to be taken to animal control when I grow a beard down too long. But when you listen to Rebel Child, though, if no one had seen any of your faces, like the gorillas, you know how they stay behind their yes, you know the band the gorillas, you know, oh, yeah. no one for so long ever seen what they looked like. For you, for you all, if no one had ever seen what you look like it you would imagine that these lumberjacks with these big massive beers coming out of the the swamp because they just cut down you know a tree in the (laughs) i love it (laughs) and just drug it across the bio you know like that's that's what we're the cast of swamp people we just we got a band together (laughs) look my parents they used to live right outside of home of louisiana and uh, really? I'm sound so northern when I say that because I said Louisiana and it's Louisiana, yeah, but it's uh, Louisiana. It's, like it's, it's like it's Louisville. And I've got some friends down there, so if they listen to this, I apologize. Please don't be offended because I'm not <laughs> going to go back and edit that out. And I know I'm a Yankee. I'm more of what they call a damn Yankee because I've yep. I've come to the South and I've stayed and I love it. Absolutely, I've been called Yankee twice a week since I moved here. Love it. Term of endearment, I think. They don't know it, but I take it as a term of endearment. I had a uh, old-time Southerner cuss me out one day, calling me everything under the sun and calling me a damn Yankee, all sorts of very graphic, vile details, which normally I'd be okay to explain, but <laughs> probably not the smartest thing to do on this format. Sure. But when I told him, when I let him finish what he was saying... I looked at him and I said, so you're upset because I'm a winner. 
And he was like, what do you mean? I was like, well, you're not a Confederate, are you? <laughs> Dude, the guy lost his mind. Yep. From, if, from you, if you had a mic at that point, you would have dropped it on the ground. From Hitsford, he just uh, has not been my biggest <laughs> fan. And I've been known to say things, um, even with people I love very dearly, and it be offensive, and not even know that I've been offensive. That's the story of my life, man. Story of my life. You've, you're one to find yourself in controversy. Yeah, typically. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Did, you say your parents, did you say your parents grew up in Louisiana? No, my parents lived in Louisiana for, uh, for a number of years. They, my dad went down there to work. They were just tired of Illinois, and they got down there and lived for a little while. They've right. since moved back to Illinois. Um, but, uh, you know, I've spent a little bit of time visiting there, and I've kind of developed a heart and love for that area, even though it's nothing I grew up on. But a yeah. piece of me will forever love that area um, just because it's just such a unique place. And New Orleans, Narlins, Narlins is the coolest music town. And I would love to spend a weekend down there, maybe even playing a show or two. But absolutely. Man, it's, it's really cool um, world. But I know I grew up in a little farm town in illinois um called tescola and we had i think four stoplights and about 4500 people and everybody knows knows that town from there's an outlet mall that's right off of i-57 and that was you know the big running joke and now it's kind of booming and it looks kind of really nice now you know and as a kid i was like this place will fail you know and one of my <laughs> Favorite memories as a kid, though, no lie, was I worked at a music store there, and I worked um, selling CDs and DVDs and games. And but you know anybody who came in who wanted some off the wall stuff at that time, iTunes really wasn't a huge thing. YouTube definitely wasn't a thing, and I was the guy that knew what they were talking about most of the time, just because I loved outside of the normal box of of radio. I just love different stuff. You know, one day someone came in, was like, do you all have the new Chasing Victory record? I'm like, yeah, the who? Somebody <laughs> else exists that loves Chasing Victory? Absolutely. Come on over here. You know, <laughs> that's not where I thought you were going with that. I was like, who? <laughs> uh, I don't know if you ever got into them. They were um, really cool. And if, if you're trying to explore um, your horizons with just heavy stuff to inspire what you do now. I would definitely suggest because their lyrical content was just um, their own. Yeah. And it was one of those things is either you love it or you hate it. Yeah, for sure. I feel like, I feel like most hardcore music is that way. You either love it or you hate it, you know, but I, I, I never was a fan of it until I started working shows um, and then I had to work door at some of these hardcore shows. And then I realized that they're savage musicians, man. All of those guys are. Uh, and even some of the lower-end regional guys that were just touring, like, the Midwest, like, man. I, like, I saw this band, actually, they scared the hell out of me. 
they're called Chelsea Grin. I don't know if you're familiar. I love with I love Chelsea Grin. Dude, those guys are some of the most savage guitar players on earth. They go up and they played in a bar where it was like 95 capacity. There were 95 people there and it was filled to the gills and I worked door. And I thought for sure that Satan was going to come up out of the ground and just obliterate everybody. I was terrified, but I was like, man, these guys are so good. They're so good. I just That's when I started to have mad respect for, for metal bands and acts, and I started kind of diving into it a little bit. For me, um, how I got into that whole uh, array of just messy, crazy sound was we had a festival called Cornerstone. Um, it was about two hours from where I grew up. Are you familiar with Cornerstone? Yeah, yeah, actually, I am familiar with that festival. Yeah, so it, if um, they had this big bowl that was once a um, garbage dump, and then they covered it with grass and turned it into like an amphitheater. And I watched um, many, many bands play that night, uh, my first time going to Cornerstone, and we watched... Um, we watched As Cities Burn, which is on my top ten favorite bands of all time. Yeah. Even though they're no longer together, uh, I still listen to them all the time. And then followed up by them was Complete Chaos called The Chariot. Oh, oh man, they're so good. We, when we were in Way to Fall, we uh, played a couple festivals with them. Ooh! Man, they're so good. And then... Followed by the chariot was Norma Jean. I was just going to ask you if you were into Norma Jean. <laughs> That's and so good. When Norma Jean played, Josh Gogan from the chariot came out and sang Memphis Will Be Laid to Waste with Corey Brandon of Norma Jean and Aaron uh, Weiss of Me Without You. Wow. If you look on YouTube, this video is out there. And it, when it came out with this video, this, you know, when YouTube just started picking up a little bit of traction, when that video dropped, man, it blew up the little underground scene that you and I obviously both have come from. And some people yeah. may not know what that is, but that song defines my teenage years. Absolutely, man. Yeah. You know, now, yeah. now I'm hardcore into songwriter stuff, and I still listen to everything, but... You know, that defines my teenage years. That captured the chaos to the the perfect max. Yeah, for sure. And those bands really even, you know, those are those are all really important bands in that scene. And yeah, this is probably gonna go over some people's heads, but there's a lot of good underground music up there. If there's any if there's anything to take out of these really obscure bands that we're naming off, it's that there is a great underground scene of music out there. And there are a lot of people that they don't listen to it if it's not on their car stereo coming out of the radio. And that's that was really surprising for me to 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 learn growing up in that scene is like it was so vibrant and there were so many different kinds of bands touring with each other too. You get punk bands touring with hardcore bands touring with pop punk bands. Right. Like a lot of a lot of amazing talent that just didn't get the exposure. But it's there, and it's in everyone's city. It doesn't matter. You can name anyone, any you know, C or D market in America, and there's a music scene there where there are artists that, if 
that band doesn't succeed, one of those people out of that out of that band are going to go off and succeed. Right, right. Well, I mean, we're in the pioneer days of music. Yeah, absolutely. And you you look at even from my hometown, there was a band. Um, my first show that I ever went to was this band called Boink. They played it at the bowling alley, and they were like a ska punk band. And then um, the guy from the lead singer from that band ended up starting another band called, um, my gosh, I just had it. I'm going to look like an idiot now. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up. But the guy's name is Jimmy Deegan. Needless to say, he's a songwriter now, and now he's the guitarist in Florida Georgia Line. Wow. It's just like, what is, you know, what, what is life? You know, he grew up in the town over from me. Yeah. This is weird. This is weird. Life's weird, man. <laughs> did, since we're talking about Michigan again, did you ever know a band called The Tide? The Tide? Yeah. I think I've seen the name before. Man. I don't know if I, I've listened to them. I wish I could find them now. Um, but they had some really cool stuff. It was the first time I saw somebody play the piano and rock the way they did. You know, I loved May. May was a huge piece of me still this day. Not sure if you've ever into them. But the Tide, they played these little local 50 to 100 people community center shows. And, mm-hmm. you know, they made a career out of it for a while. And they were really good. But they're out of Michigan. I think another Michigan band, they might be a Michigan band, Farewell Flight. Uh, that one I'm, I'm not heard of. I'll check that out. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Are you familiar with Wilson? No. I know that was Tom Hanks' best friend. LOL. Do you, uh, you like Every Time I Die? I am a huge fan. All right. I am going to implore you to check out Wilson because you will dig that. They're very much in the same vein. They're from Detroit. I will write this down. That's what I got little notes over here. So I, I, I'm not sure if you can tell. Rowdy rock and roll, hardcore. It's really cool. I watched Every Time I Die play last year uh, with August Burns Red, mm. and that was really cool. Um, Daniel Davidson is a big influence on me. He's played drums in Norma Jean, Under Oath, Every Time I Die, and he just uh, what's, is, what's his name? Buckley, Keith Buckley. Yeah, you know I, he's uh, he's a comedian too. I didn't know that. He's a comedy writer. He writes for like TV shows too. Oh wow, Keith Buckley. Yeah. They he had just had a baby, so um, they had a fill in from a big Australian band that. The, today's the day of forgetfulness. Apparently, I just remembered the band I was thinking of. Every Avenue. <laughs> oh wow! No kidding. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Deegan. Yeah, Jimmy Deegan was in Every Avenue. And when they broke up, he moved to Nashville, did a singer-songwriter thing, and then became Florida Georgia Lions guitar player. Weird. It's funny you bring that up about people who were in the scene. Did you ever hear the band Junior Varsity? Yeah. All right, so right before I got on this podcast, one of my friends just dropped their album, and he was on their page talking crap about the... uh, this guy from the junior varsity was on my friend's page talking crap about his their album. I'm like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and I went, so I, of course I did what every sane human being does. They go to the person's page, you know, yeah. 
because it's time to attack you, Mr. Person. You're attacking my friend, so we need to find something about you I can put on here that's going to hurt your feelings. Then I, <laughs> then I go to the page, and it's it used to be in the junior varsity, and I was like, you know, I don't have anything mean to say. Yeah. So, <laughs> Bad things to say about you. So I was like, <laughs> the internet, it's just a place where you can be a complete asshole if yep. you want to be a complete asshole. Absolutely. It's it's a land of trolls now, man. Well, I too am guilty of being a troll. Um, I'm so, so glad you brought trolls up. <laughs> I've recently developed a following and not for American Music Revival. Uh-oh. I, um... Have you heard about this Brad's wife ordeal that's going on? Uh, I see people post about it, but I try and stay out of all that stuff. Well, I'm going to bring you to school real quick. Brad's wife got fired from Cracker Barrel. This guy, Brad, wrote on the Cracker Barrel corporate page, Hey, I'm just trying to figure out why you fired my wife on my birthday. So somebody caught wind of it, made it a big meme. Then it became a big meme. All right. Then old Trav here caught wind of it as well, and I jumped on board and I took it full, full force. <laughs> so after I take it full force, I immediately think about my boy Harambe. Now I'm really, I'm really upset about my boy Harambe, you know, and the smoking policy that they have at the Cincinnati Zoo. Absolutely. And where better to address both issues than on the Cracker Barrel page? <laughs> So, me and my advocacy, I went to the Cracker Barrel page, and I wrote about the Cincinnati Zoo smoking my boy Harambe, just like <laughs> Cracker Barrel just smoked Brad Weiss employment. <laughs> and the Cincinnati Zoo blocked me on Facebook. <laughs> so... For the first time in my life, I've been blocked from a zoo. That's amazing. <laughs> and I may or may not be banned from their grounds just because of a year's worth of talking about Harambe. They're like, stay out of Ohio. And you're like, gladly. <laughs> the one reason I would ever go to Ohio was Harambe, and he's no longer there. Thanks a lot. So, I'm not coming anyways. I love it. Are you one of the, are you are you a subredditor? Are you one of those guys that like gets on Reddit and is just like Are you one of those guys? I'm not, but I've considered it because I feel like it, I could be successful at it. I mean, I tried it and I couldn't. I was like, "Man, this is where like there's some great things that happen on Reddit, but there are some awful things that happen on Reddit." Reddit is a very strange place. It is. It's like, it's either savage or it's like, oh, cool. Um, it looks like uh, Olivia Munn's answering some questions, you know? <laughs> My friend put a poem on um, on Reddit and it she didn't realize it wasn't on private. And when she put it on, it was public. And the next day she checked it and she had 70,000 shares. Oh, wow. Of this extremely <laughs> personal poem. Oh no. Oh man, that is not cool. We live in such a strange time. My friend, like, he was talking all this trash. He's like, Oh, you're a, you've become a Facebook wizard. You're always sharing stuff and it goes all over the internet and whatnot. And I'm like, 
maybe it's just because you visit my page that often that that's all in your timeline. <laughs> and he's like, whatever. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I go look at his page and he shared a video of his truck and had 75 or no 80,000 plays from this truck website that found it. And then they shared it on their page. Now the same thing happened to us. Uh, the guys that had cover of the brothers Osborne and then some radio DJ actually he's a big radio DJ. Apparently I don't know anything about country music or radio DJs, but he found their cover and put it in a contest. And then we woke up and we had 15,000 views on it. I was going to ask about that. I'm glad you broke that, uh, broke that out on the, on YouTube. You have a nice little following. And then I seen the brothers Osborne, uh, cover and oh man it's that's the way it works someone finds it that's the way the music industry works someone finds you and they're like oh cool well i have all these resources but it's like you can't wait for that to happen you just gotta go do it yeah you gotta get out there and get it i don't know where you're standing but i've got about seven percent battery left (laughs) well we are we can we can cut this off right here but i just want to say i really appreciate you coming on here uh, doing the Empire Strikes Back version of the American Music Revival, and I appreciate you being a part of the revival. Um, any plugs that you want to put out there before we go? Um, well, BearCreekBrothers.com, new website's going to be coming up soon, so look out for that. Like us on Facebook, like us on Instagram, Bear Creek Brothers, uh, new singles coming out, all that shameless marketing stuff. Um, other than that, man, I really appreciate you having me on. I'll do it anytime you want. Yeah, I would really like you to maybe guest spot with me one day. That way it's just not me sitting here talking. Yeah, for sure. You know, it'd be cool if there was another another person. So uh, you are more than welcome to come on sometime. I'll let you know. I've got a yeah. bunch of people lined up. I I didn't have anybody lined up. And then as soon as it dropped and other people heard it, they were like, how do I get on the show? Yeah, let's, man. Or sure. let's do it, you know, because it's, you're right, it is different. And uh, I think it'll be fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, everybody, go get the uh, Bear Creek Brothers new single, Rebel Child. It's on. It's on uh, Spotify, Apple Music, iTunes, and Google Play. Very nice. Very nice. And you just released a music video, too. We did, yes, for a song called Midwest Woman that's on uh, YouTube. Right now, it's a completely live version, one take, front to back. And um, I'm sure that song is going to be coming out in the pipeline in the future, too. So, Well, I look forward to it. I imagine a lot of the uh, my beginning guests will be future reoccurring guests just because I think there's there's a lot of steam behind it you all and uh absolutely man as a friend that records these podcasts in his bedroom and and speaks from a little tiny throne i look forward to you blowing up in the music scene absolutely man and i'm looking forward to it as well so i don't have to work as a nut and bolt salesman anymore (laughs) (laughs) well thank you guys for listening to the second episode of the American Music Revival. We got some great guests lined up for the next few episodes and we appreciate everybody's support. Have a great week.